Welcome to Retail Done Right. I'm Christine Gonzalez-Wertz. And I'm Jeff Fisher. We owe a big apology to our listeners, Christine. There's been a big gap since our last podcast, which is a major no-no. As we continue to build our audience, we've had COVID in the family, even with being vaxxed and boosted, but everyone's fine. And I'm excited to share, Christine, that I have started a new job. Yeah, I am so excited for you. It's a great company that some of you may not have heard of before. True. You've joined EPAM in their retail consulting group. You're a principal of business consulting, and that's your official title, I think. Yes, you're right. (laughs) This is wonderful for you and for retailers and their brands. You've been doing this at such a low level of fidelity for a little while, and I am so excited to see you open up and really let people understand your talents. Thank you. And of course, we are going to keep Retail Done Right going, right? Absolutely. This has been so much fun, so insightful, so interesting. We've covered a lot of ground and there is a lot more to cover. Oh, you are so right. We are wrapping up season two today and this is the 12th episode of season two. Can you believe it? (laughs) No, I can't. Thank you to our listeners and of course our guests. Today... You're going to hear our point of view on who we consider retail's heroes, villains, and changemakers. Yes, we're naming names. As we've been building this podcast, we've seen the continuation of inflation, the war in Ukraine, a downturn in the stock market that has disproportionately hit the tech industry, and just this past week, a downturn in profitability from some very important retailers that has really impacted the stock market, let alone gas prices and food prices are seriously impacting everyone. Fuel prices and changes in purchasing are impacting retailers' profitability. Even through this lens or these lenses, let's jump in and start on a positive note with heroes. Okay. I'm going to start with Wegmans. I want to especially congratulate President and CEO Colleen Wegman on the second best place to work on the Fortune list. They're ranked third on the 2022 list of 100 best companies. And Wegmans has been on the list every year since it began in 1998. 2005, they were ranked number one. They're also number one on People's 2021 list of companies that care jointly chosen by people and great places to work. When you say that about your people, we feel that that is at least the starting recipe to a really solid retail foundation. Absolutely. Number two for us, Target. Okay. They took a big hit this week. Yeah. Weaker profitability due to fuel costs. And write-downs due to a shift in purchases by consumers, 24% drop in one day is not to be ignored. But they've also seen continued sales increases, so their profitability is getting hurt, but they're still growing. More importantly, they are delivering for their customer. 
Their private label brands are very strong. We had Julie on to talk about that, you know, coming from the background that she has. I think that that's really important. Absolutely. Their stores continue to improve. They're changing the merchandising, the visual merchandising, the changing the layout, doing some really great work. Their introduction of Ulta shop and shops are very successful for Ulta and for Target. I think they continue to be a retailer to watch, Christine. They are, and especially for their sustainability efforts and their carbon neutral stores. They've always been ahead of the game. They continue to prove that despite the challenges. This quarter is going to be hard for everyone. Yes. So while we're talking about people who have had a hard time but are still absolutely correct on the principles, I got to throw in Costco. And we have talked about Costco before, but their continued focus on people and management always deserve a second shout out. And to be honest, Jeff, I just have to say it. You have to work really hard to be trolled by the GOP, but there you have it. (laughs) The House GOP account responded to a piece of fake news on behalf of the Republican Conference of the U.S. House of Representatives about a piece of fake news on the rise in the price of hot dogs. (laughs) They didn't read the Twitter bio the news came from, which was clearly labeled Wendy's Fry Cook. I like to make memes parody. (laughs) But seriously, the stock remains a buy despite a bear market because consumer food staples, even in sizes you need to share with your neighbor and their neighbor, remain positive. Freight and labor will continue to be a big part of the balance sheet. So expect challenges, but still their care of their people rocks the world. That is so true. I completely agree. Jeff, who's next? A personal hero for me is the Shade Store. I'm completely impressed with their store design, how they display their assortment, how they merchandise their samples, their customer service, the sales process, all the way through to installation and follow-up post-installation. It's very, very impressive. They have their own supply chain as well. What a difference in working with them in comparison to other window covering companies in terms of them being able to say exactly when the product's going to be made and delivered and installed. They've thought through the whole process, Christine. Impressive operation. As opposed to the people who finally just delivered my last chair last week after ordering in, I don't know, October? But I do love them and they are very comfortable. Mitchell Gold, I'm forgiving you. (laughs) Terrain is my personal hero. If we're going there, then I'm going to Terrain. I'm not surprised. They are fabulous. But here you are in the middle of what's gone on and they are opening stores. And it is an eclectic mix of anthropology meets garden center meets wedding venue meets sustainable living. And that represents us. The combination that is just right for a new group of high-end shopping fans. They are looking at and have always gone into interesting spaces. So instead of trying to build from the ground up, they find something that is unique and work that into the design. And I think that allows every one of their stores to feel unique as well as very personal. I am still very attached to the original Styers location, 
but it gives them this ability to work very locally. And I think that that's something that is exceptionally valuable in a time when so many things feel cookie cutter. So true. I agree. Beautiful stores, beautiful assortment. I completely agree with you. All right, moving on to Barnes and Noble as a hero. Never thought you'd put that on the list. Listen to this. The New York Times headline says it all in a recent article, how Barnes and Noble went from villain to hero. We had to add them. True. As they state, and I quote, today, virtually the entire publishing industry is rooting for Barnes and Noble, including most independent booksellers. Its unique role in the book ecosystem where it helps readers discover new titles and publishers, stay invested in physical stores, makes it an essential anchor in a world upended by online sales and a much larger player, Amazon. They took the independent bookstore approach in a lot of respects, empowering their store managers and catering to their local customer. Very, very smart. But Christine, let's not leave this industry without calling out independence. You and I both have our favorite independent bookstores as well. For me, Changing Hands here in Phoenix, outstanding store with outstanding service. How about you? We have a bunch of them in Lancaster, including one that just opened a couple of blocks for me called Dog Store Books, which is a used bookstore. There's also Winding Way Books and there's the Caffeinated Bookworm. I think that this ability for local bookstores to create a match with their market, to extend their libraries, to become special again, is a flavor of what is important. And I recently just found a book with forage painting, and I was so smitten. I, just, I had to have it. For book lovers, there's nothing like a book. It's not that we don't read on a tablet. It's not that we don't do audiobooks. It's so important to keep these corners of the market alive. I completely agree with you. I live in a small town where we can be a little left of center and I can be a little left of center. So I love that we have five bookstores. They're coming back and creating that sense of local destination is massively important. But I want to change gears on you a second. And I want to go online. I know we love physical stores, but I want to discuss the citizenry. Okay. I'm open. The citizenry is this company who believes in buying from the best. And each design is made by these incredible artisans and they are all fair trade standards. And they have everything you would need from things that are handcrafted in Japan to working with Indonesians on rattan furniture to being able to buy rugs that are handwoven in India. So bringing the best of the catalog forward to allow people to have a truly ethically crafted, but also thoughtfully designed home. Have you purchased from them? I have checked out their website and it's beautiful and the assortment is actually quite wonderful, but I haven't purchased. How about you? Bedding, linen sheets. And are you happy with it? I love my linen sheets, especially as it is starting to get hot and humid <laughs> on the East Coast. Yes. Linen sheets are like the ticket to being cool. They are. Not just being cool 
like having them on your bed, but actually sleeping cool. And that's fabulous. Cool in terms of comfort. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to close out our heroes list with Ulta Beauty. You've been talking about them a lot. I know. I know. I just mentioned them in the context of Target, which you have to say that was a really smart move. Yeah, it was. I applaud their performance. And recently, they just launched their own retail media network. This is quite an interesting topic that has been getting a lot of publicity recently. And you and I are going to go in deeper on this particular topic in season three. They've called their retail media network UB Media, where they're leveraging their first party data from their 37 million loyalty members. Very smart move. Very smart move. It's not only very smart. If you have 37 million members, you can then use that as a magnet to attract other smaller companies and or brands, whether they're beauty brands or aligned brands to manage that and be able to create a different revenue stream, which I think is brilliant. One with very good margins, better margins than often in retail. So yes, and we're talking first party data. Fantastic. I want to stay on Alta for a second and talk about the fact that they have done a wonderful job bringing new brands and smaller brands into the store as well. I went in to buy one item recently and I walked out with seven, which is a problem I have, not necessarily an Alta problem. (laughs) They are really living up to their beliefs of not just offering lots of people new brands, but being able to bring them from smaller makers and people we would love to see highlighted everywhere. I agree. They have a wonderful mentoring program, inclusiveness, opportunities for these young brands to really succeed with the support of Ulta. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, me too. Should we switch and touch on uh, some villains? Bum, bum, bum. Brandy Melville just deserves the mention in this category. Whether it's their recent size discrimination in China to how they are accused of hiring only thin white girls to some of the other challenges that they've put forward. Their size standards are outdated. Their ethics are shady. And their lack of inclusivity is atrocious. So yeah, they definitely fall on the villain list for me. Yep, I agree. How about Jennifer Say, formerly of Levi's? Are we in agreement on this one? I have a hard time with this one. I'm not sure she qualifies as a villain, although we fall on different sides of the ideological spectrum. Her dismissal before she was set to ascend to the CEO role is hard for me. I don't agree with what she tweeted. What she had said on social media absolutely went against the values of their company and especially against the directives they were making for their employees. I think that it was the thing to do, but it still hurts me a bit. I'm a little on the fence on whether or not this should really be 
within the villain. It's one of those that mixes up your rights with freedom of speech, but your responsibilities with your role in a corporation. That's where the rub is. Yeah. So that readers are aware, the whole challenge here was that she was thrust in the middle of a kind of public tale around her views on vaccines. So she was trapped at home with four kids and she, like many of us, was busy finding space in her home as an office. And she posted on social media a lot. She found her home far more crowded than she expected it to be because lots of people kept arriving from the family and that did not go well for her as she started to talk about opinions on schools. She had opinions on lots of things that she might not have vetted very well. And I don't know her personal beliefs. I just think that if you are the CEO, you have to be aligned with the corporate policy. That's exactly where the line is or the blur is the fact that you have free speech, but you also in particular roles and in certain roles in particular, as a leader within a large organization, there can be a bit of a blend between what's your personal point of view and what the company's point of view. And I think that's where the challenge is. And social media doesn't always help keep those arenas clear from each other. Okay. Can we talk about Etsy for a second? Sure. There are a lot of people who put Etsy in this villain bucket. And it became about a couple of things. First of all, their advertising policy, which requires sellers making $10,000 a year or more on Etsy, be able to pay a 12% advertising fee on sales made through their ads. And second, the commission per sale went from 5% to 6.5%. Sellers protested, namely by halting their sales for a week. The report was that 14,000 sellers joined the protest, which is a relatively small number for Etsy. And especially in the context of how many sellers they actually have. Yeah, exactly. So according to Etsy, it didn't have a material impact. They said that less than 1% went on vacation mode. When you look at the difference of going from 5 to 6.5% versus other people in this category. I think (laughs) you would say that there are others who are far, far more in the villain category. And yeah, you know who I'm talking about. They begin with an A and then they have a Mazon in the middle. Um, Are they a hero or a villain, Jeff? Yes and no, Christine. They've done a lot of amazing things. They've been an amazing company to watch grow. I do wish that they would have been profitable quicker because I think that that's always a challenge. You can even look back on the whole sales tax, local sales tax issues that hurt, you know, especially independent bookstores. But on the flip side of that, they really did push and were a big driver in an increase in hourly wage. And I think that they have built quite an incredible network of warehouses and delivery. And there's a lot of things to admire within the company at the same time that they're a 
very, very tough competitor. Yeah. And one of the things that we are understanding is that some of the spending that they've received online is not dropping down, but at least leveling off and that they're trying to end some of their warehouse leases, trying to look to do other things. They're also relying on technology to do some of these jobs with AI cameras to monitor more delivery guys. There are clearly some union conversations going on, whether it's the accusing of union busting or the ability to move forward. They are looking at their first New Jersey supermarket, an actual supermarket. There's still the place that you turn for when you have no clue where to get what you actually were talking to a friend about and you have no idea what it is, where to get it. Well, most people search through Amazon for what they're looking to buy. So they've really become a destination. And you're right with everything else that you said. And it is pretty remarkable that in their last earnings report, they said that they were overbuilt on their distribution side and their labor force was full. It's pretty remarkable. To sum out the villain category, a few days ago, they were accused of discrimination against pregnant and disabled workers in New York City. Hard to keep them off the villain list, given all of those things. But if we were to talk about innovators, we'd have to keep them way at the top. That's true. It's a very challenging conversation to have where they go. Yep, I agree. Well, in the heroes, I listed and shared a personal hero. So I'm going to do a personal villain as well. So for me, Chick-fil-A, I consider them a villain definitely for personal reasons. I can absolutely say I'm a fan of their billboards. They make me laugh every time I see them. But I don't understand companies that aren't inclusive. I have no issue with them being closed on Sunday, but I sure don't agree with their activism around anti-gay policies. That's absolutely, absolutely true. One of the challenges I have is how do you live your values? And clearly the reasons they feel some of those things are because of their values and how they look at local community works, et cetera. It's hard to determine how you look at their anti-LGBTQ policies when they have a 65-year history of providing hospitality for all people but their funding goes to some places that are clearly anti-LGBTQ. Exactly. I have a similar thing where I found recently that Home Depot was putting in for people who said that the Georgia election was not fair, despite being certified by a Republican secretary of state, where they put their money just scares me terribly. The challenge is, While heroes are easy to recognize, villains are certainly less so, and villains have very personal connections to them. But I think that that gives us the ability to talk about our last category of people. I think that's a wonderful transition there. It's hard to make a very clear delineation of villain versus hero, but I think enough of the villain category, and let's move on to change makers. 
And I'm going to kick this one off, Christine, because I'm going to hit an obvious one, RH. Their performance continues to be strong, though their stock has fluctuated over the past year. Their last quarter and fiscal year performance was very strong. But the real reason that I would put them in the change maker is because what they're doing especially around creating true retail destinations. I don't think there's any question about that. They just opened, which is another perfect representation of what we're talking about, an 80,000 square foot store or gallery in the landmark Bethlehem Steel Building in San Francisco. And they're calling it their first of its kind design and dining destination. It has the Palm Court restaurant, wine bar, rooftop park, obviously with fantastic views, their in-house interior design firm, RH Interiors, RH Modern, their outdoor collection, and they're unveiling their newest collection, RH Contemporary in that location, which I'm sure is then going to be rolled out even further. That's just their physical stores or their physical galleries, which are just remarkable in themselves. But their ever-expanding empire is including now international rollout, hotels, a yacht, jets. It's remarkable what they are doing and the brand extensions that they're playing with. And the, I mean, Enough said. They have always been a tastemaker. And I really think that they've looked at the market and the marketplace. It is totally safe to call them a change maker. Absolutely. I want to talk about somebody different, though, and go in just a sliver of a different direction and talk about Jose Andre and his world central kitchen. Absolutely. It's a great one. He's a brilliant chef and he has a Successful network of restaurants around the world who then decides to go start something even more remarkable. Earthquake in Haiti was the first, and that was the launch. And he went to Puerto Rico. And then the current fires in New Mexico, where they are serving evacuees. And shout out to my friend, Kevin, who went and rescued a whole bunch of horses, as well as eight cats and dogs that he is now desperately trying to figure out a way to keep himself from keeping. It's great though. And to my friend Olga, who was there in the World Central Kitchen in Ukraine. So while they were right across the border, what's important is that they were there. And we will provide the link in the show notes and encourage you to donate. Even if you go buy his olive oil and salt potato chips in the grocery store, here's a guy who is just using his celebrity for good and helping create not just fabulous restaurant experience, but life-changing experiences for people who are in the middle of awful disasters. Can't say enough good. I agree. He's absolutely a change maker. It's remarkable what he's doing, how he is able to give so much in such a humble way. I think that just says so much. Mm -hmm. All right. That's a hard one to follow, but I'm going to try. I'm going to steer us back to retail here a little bit. Rihanna and her Savage X Fenty brand, their chief merchant, 
Christiane Pendarvis states in Vogue, and I quote, we want to make sure whoever you are as a customer, you see yourself in our stores. And that's not just the marketing and what we're doing in terms of things like mannequins and imagery, but also the people that are there to help service and support you. They're blending a physical and digital, which of course I love with body scanning app, fit experience also is very, very smart. What else have I missed here, Christine? Things that you probably wouldn't think about, like foundation colors and the way the brand actually supports. Part of the challenge when you're trying to do some of the larger sizes is actually changing the fit. It's not that you just take up a bra. It's that you have to re-engineer some of the way that works. When you do these kinds of things, as Christian says, it is not just about marketing. You have to be able to consider this from the beginning to the end. And Rihanna has certainly brought that to bear and you feel it across all of the experiences. It is exceptional. That's fantastic. And she's exceptional. And she is a new mother. And she's a new mother. Um, so we're excited to see how she dresses that little child. <laughs> That'll be fabulous. Absolutely. But while we're here, I'd like to add L.L. Bean to our list for something remarkable. We really admire them leaving social media. Absolutely. For a period. As reported in Chain Store Age, one of our most reliable sources, they paused posting on all social media channels for all of May in recognition of Mental Health Awareness Month. They said that they wiped their Instagram clean, leaving behind a few resources encouraging people to get outside however, wherever, and whenever they can. And we'll include the link in show notes, but it is so important that somebody do these kinds of things and offer us these resets and the reminders are valuable. They really are valuable. Yeah. You got to love what they're doing. You got to support what they're doing. It's fantastic. They're also doing some really cool stuff in store too. And they're expanding their number of stores, including some mall locations, which is surprising to me. There's a bit of activity happening around malls. There's some really exciting stuff. I think that's uh, maybe a prelude for a future conversation. I think so. Okay, I want to share a new brand that I've discovered, which we embrace for its sustainability approach, Kayo.com. They're an online marketplace for good pre-owned furniture. I think Forbes stated it well, where they, I quote, Back in 2018, when 12 million tons of furniture waste was produced, Americans spent some $128 billion buying new furniture. In 2021, they spent $180 billion, a 40% increase. Oh my God. If furniture waste was bad back then, it's worse today. And that's exactly what Kayo is trying to address because oftentimes... Your old furniture goes straight to the trash and they've created a platform. And now they're, they've just had a new round of $36 million Series B funding that is going to allow them to continue to expand cities where they can offer their white glove service. I am absolutely rooting them on. 
I'm gonna say something weird here. Okay. Because I haven't said something weird the whole podcast. You know, I can't <laughs> let my record go. There are so many interesting makers refinishing furniture on Instagram that I wonder if there's a way to connect them. Always never done by me. We've mentioned them before. Yes. Is having a class on how to start to refinish furniture. And it's $99 and you show up. I registered for this with my niece. You show up with your old little piece of furniture. You can't bring a buffet. (laughs) And they're going to teach you how to refinish it. Having seen how long it's taking for new goods to get here and how to feel really good about repurposing something. I think that rooting them on is an absolute win. And Jeff, I can't wait to go check them out. I think it's fantastic. That's like so much fun. Great extension. Great, great extension. I think what's happening there is absolutely fantastic. The less that can go to the waste and reuse and support that circular economy is exactly what needs to happen. That absolutely rocks. And while we're here talking about not just that reuse function, but let's talk about something we talked about the difference in sort of purpose and brand in the podcast where we talked about IBM's report. I want to introduce people to Italic. Now, if Citizenry is this globally inspired marketplace for home goods, Italic is unbranded luxury grade essentials from the same manufacturers who make high-end brands. No logos, no markups. I love it. This is interesting stuff. If you go into women's clothing and you start to look at some of the pieces they have there, they have the same manufacturers as Rag & Bone, They have the same manufacturers as Diesel or Masonette or as Sandro. If you go into beauty, they're bringing forward the same people who are using some of the higher end brands from Switzerland and from Italy. They're similar to Beauty Pie in that category. They have the same folks are producing their luggage as are producing Samsonite and Boss. They have people who are doing pet stuff from Burberry or from Williams-Sonoma. So, I mean, really very cool things that just represent an interesting way to shop. If you want high quality but aren't necessarily sure, you want to overpay for something. So let's say you want a Soleil candle. There's one that's made by the same company who makes Hermes and Vera Wang's, but theirs is $16. If, perchance, you want a La Perla Bra and you don't want to pay $118, how about just paying $18? So I think that there's a really cool ability to get interesting things. And this is a, a lovely pressure test of the do you really care about quality and not brand? Yeah, exactly. Good point. There is so much happening in retail. There is so much excitement. There is so much entrepreneurship that's happening. I think that we could go on and let's keep tracking these players in the industry and see how they go. 
This is so exciting. I'm going to go see what's on Kayo. That's just a huge win for me. I'm not walking. I am running to that. Fantastic. Just totally appreciate you guys, our listeners. You make this all worth doing. You rock. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to be able to continue the conversation. And I want to just tell you what we're exploring for the next season. So needless to say, we're going to talk about sustainability, but we're going to do so practically. What else we got, Kat? The metaverse. Oh, oh. We have to explore that. I know. And you've wanted to for a little bit. Recreational cannabis retail. Yes. And I believe we might be able to talk about your patent there. Possibly. Maybe. I think that's a nice teaser. I'm not going to go into anything more at this point. I think we're just going to just let that float out there. Okay. We're going to also talk about retail turnarounds, successes and failures. And teasing off of what we brought you in the UB Networks, Alta Beauty, we are going to talk about retail media networks. Also, there's a great discussion around the blurring of retail and hospitality. Oh, heck yeah. We've got that and we've got more. But we'd love to hear from you about what we should explore. Yes, please. And we ask you again, please comment, like us, respond, share Apple Podcast on our website, retaildoneright.net, or via LinkedIn. Just let us know where you are and that you're part of the family and so that we can reach out and give you a hug. Say hi, as they say on Lore. I love it when people say hi. So please just be with us. I second that very, very strongly. We absolutely want to hear. I think there's a lot of things that we want to discuss, but we'd love to hear from our listeners. We have some great guests lined up across many of these topics that we just teased. Yep. So please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, any platform you want. And... We would like to say a warm and gracious thank you to our always brilliant editor, Michael Cook via Upwork, and to our theme music composer, J.D. Sirawat. Season two is a wrap. We will be back in the fall, maybe in August. August, right? Yes. With season three of Retail Done Right. Thank you for listening. This is Retail Done Right. Thank you for joining our conversation. And thank you, Christine, as well. Uh, Let's go shopping. Oh, yes. Right away. Okay.